0: Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn, and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people-first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, it's Nikki, and you're on Gut Plus Science. Today, we're doing a throwback, actually, to our 13th episode, long time ago, with Michael Crafton. And you know, this year, especially launching our healthcare sub-series, there's so much of a message especially in healthcare about the patient outcomes or family experience in healthcare being so directly correlated to how engaged employees are. And Michael Crafton back a long time ago this throwback episode talked about, you know, happy employees directly correlate to happy customers. So whatever industry you're in, it's so important to realize that hey, if we're having some customer service issues right now, we're just having a lot of complaints really take a look at like, how is engagement right now? And starting at the root of where are employees feeling meaning in their work, finding meaning in their work and feeling fulfilled and happy that directly shows up to the calls that they take with your people, the way that they show up at their homes, how they interact with those that you serve. So here we go. Throwing it back with Michael Crafton. All right. So Michael, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to really dive in today, knowing that you have just such a unique story about building a fast growing company that is just doing really great things to drive employees to the next level in the state of Indiana and throughout the Midwest. It's it's very cool to see. So first of all, let's just help our listeners align on the realm of your business and what does an engaged employee look like in your company?
1: I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, our business is extremely unique in the sense that we provide a life safety service that's required by law, uh, which is basically cleaning grease out of uh, commercial kitchens, typically in the middle of the night. So, for us, it's extremely important that our employees are engaged and they're passionate about the business that we provide because um, if we don't do something properly, it could be very dangerous and somebody could get seriously hurt if there was a fire out that happened. So, For us, we work really hard on trying to empower each of our individual employees uh, to make good decisions, but also to believe in the mission and the vision of what we're trying to accomplish. Because at the end of the day, no matter what happens, it's our job to keep people safe. And uh, I know when I take my family out to eat to a restaurant or fast casual or even a stadium or uh, even a hospital, it's important that uh, nothing happens out of my control from a fire perspective. So I think for me, what it feels like from an employee that's engaged within, within Nellbud is, you know, somebody that believes in what we're trying to accomplish, understands the importance, but also feels empowered to make decisions, be creative and not be afraid to fail. Cause if we don't try, we don't know.
0: Yeah. And Michael, you're pretty well known for being a people first leader, for really putting an emphasis on the employee experience at Nailbud and just hearing the type of work and the hours that people are working. It's it's not super glamorous, but you've got a lot of people behind you that absolutely love the, the, the organization and you continue to get recognized as a great place to work. Kind of break down for us, what does the, I guess, the emphasis on the employee experience and how you Gain that buy-in and just that commitment from the employee from the beginning and onboarding. What does that look like?
1: One of the things that we've been very vocal about over time, uh, and it's plastered all over our website. We actually use this in sales presentations for new customers. But we are 100% an employee first, customer second business. We truly believe that, and we live that every day. And what that means to us, and I think why people kind of rally behind that, is because. I believe that if we take care of our own, uh, and we make sure that the team is is properly cared for, and they have the right equipment, and they're properly trained and de- and developed and paid appropriately, they're going to do everything they possibly can to make sure that the customer is taken care of naturally, uh, because this is a good opportunity for their for them and for their family as we uh, continue to grow. And it also doesn't hurt that you know we went from one person in a pickup truck to the largest provider of grease cleaning services in the country uh, and for our industry. But most importantly, to keep kind of that the reason we do what we do is actually for the greater good of the community, which I think is is really, really
0: important. So my question is gonna kind of go in this direction of your growth. You guys have have grown immensely over the past years, and there's been a lot of acquisitions that have taken place. And so in those efforts, you're you're bringing together diverse groups of people that aren't used to working together. Kind of speak into the greatest failure turned lesson in this acquisition process?
1: One of the things that nobody teaches you in school or kind of you know no, nothing nothing that's ever talked about is when a merger or an acquisition takes place or somebody does a capital raise or they get funding from a private equity firm uh, nobody really ever talks about integrating the cultures of the businesses that are being bought and sold It's typically how do we how do we drive top line and how does that affect the bottom line and you know all the stuff in between you know the assets and the balance sheet uh, that's really. of the focus. But I think that what's missed and where we kind of missed when we did our um, really big merger back in 2015 is we didn't pay any attention or even plan out how to integrate the cultures. Um, And I'm not talking about like safety manuals and employee handbooks and benefits. I'm talking about just how everyone interacts and creating one vision statement, one mission statement, one set of core values, um, and kind of one kind of marching order forward kind of a funny story. Uh, in January of 2015, we did a merger. It was actually the biggest merger we've ever done with a really large company on the East Coast based out of Atlantic City, which actually was called Nelba. just is where we get our name to this day. Um, and one of the things that we didn't anticipate, and especially I didn't anticipate, is both the East Coast and the Midwest have really phenomenal, hardworking, passionate people who um, I feel like are, you know, equals in the sense of kind of those characteristics but on the east coast the personalities are a lot different than people in the midwest and funny story i always tell is when i did the opening speech for um the merger you know i'm from the midwest born and raised and you know i'm typically really kind of flamboyant and i'm like happy and loud and i like to hug people and <laughs> how you doing and how's your family and what's going on and you know on the east coast it's a lot more guarded and people want to get to know you before they Before they kind of reach in for the hug. So it was just, it was just a really weird dynamic. And to be honest, the failure that we had is I just thought instantly everybody was just going to buy into the culture and uh, kind of love the vision and the mission. And it it wasn't like that. And it took us almost two entire calendar years to fully integrate and get that buy in um, of, especially the core values, which are, in my opinion, the most important uh, before we were able to kind of take that next step. And those first two years were very rocky. We went through a really unique time. Not that we performed poorly, we just didn't hit the growth targets that we had set for ourselves pre-merger. And I think that a lot of it had to do with it was 100% the culture. And when we finally turned that corner uh, towards the end of the second year into the third year, so it's been about three years now, we beat budget every single month. We have more... Our demand is so high that we're having a hard time um, with our supply, meaning our uh, we're we, don't, we can't hire quick enough. Um, our customer service ratings are through the roof. We're integrating or innovating as fast as we humanly possibly can. And we've done multiple acquisitions in the last six months that we hadn't done in two years. So it's 100% a testament to complete and total company buy into what we're trying to accomplish as one team, as opposed to what we used to call two coasts.
0: Let's break that down and unpack that just a little bit. So your company now is just, you, you've experienced this a lot growing through merger and acquisition. And you've learned a lot through the first time you did it, just, you know, going in blind and by fire. And now it sounds like it's really getting down to a process. Um, how, how would you break down, if you could say, what are the keys to developing a, an integrative culture among two separate businesses to be able to do this right? What are the keys to effectively doing that?
1: So key drivers I think is um establishing trust. So we just did an acquisition in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Relatively decent sized business. Um we have 14 physical locations across the country. And day one of the acquisition this this branch actually came in as the fourth largest. So uh, definitely bigger than bigger than normal. And one one thing I I think we did different for this one which was back in April is we spent the first 24 hours Talking about the vision, the mission, kind of our safety culture, core values, and really kind of listening to the things that the questions that they had and it was a lot less forcing information down to them and more what do you want to get out of this acquisition and I know you're scared and you know what what are some of the things that that you're that you're concerned about because a lot of the, a lot of the these employees it was the first time they'd ever experienced anything like this. And I think what we took from that and how we were able to answer those questions based on what we probably would have told them anyway um, was really powerful because then they felt like, okay, they're listening. They understand what I'm going through. Now let's get into the details. You know, how do I do? You know, how do I clock in and out? And what's this? What are my PTO, my benefits, and those type of things, which I think all work themselves out eventually. But um, for us, it's listen first, you know, then explain and explain second so that we can, we can get that buy in.
0: So I heard you say that you have now 14 different locations. Is that right? Correct. Okay, and so that creates a unique challenge for engagement, I'm sure, because you're not all in one place. It's not like you can just drive on site every day and check in or every week. So, what are some of the keys to managing and driving engagement when you're a distributed workforce?
1: So we have offices in some of the most densely populated cities and some of those spread out cities. Uh, So it's it's a very uh, diverse and unique workforce. So what we one of our initiatives for 2018 as a senior leader leadership team is we went all in on video and texting. Texting can sometimes be impersonal, but that's how people communicate these days. So we had to kind of uh, adapt to the our environment and our workforce. So every so twice a week we send out a kind of company update uh, Wednesdays and Fridays um, that talk about things that are going on within the business and they're they're from you know myself or our COO or a senior manager. Um, just so we can get out in front and people can hear from, from us what's, what's happening. And, and we actually, we don't focus on all good things. I mean, there's some, some potentially constructive and some negative things that we talk about, but we also want to make sure that people hear the good and the bad and they can kind of help us react and adapt to current market conditions. Uh, we also created this, uh, or started using this platform called Helpful that Allows us to send video messages, kind of like text messages, but they're video um, to either one to one or to groups. So we have groups set up all over the company, like you know our area managers have a group and our technicians have a group, and then we have these kind of random groups where you can actually send out messages and how's everybody feeling today, and then they'll respond. and It's actually a really great interactive platform that allows us to reach out and touch people that might not normally kind of get that interaction. Uh, for example, you know if we do if if I get when that somebody did a really great uh cleaning in our Boston market, for example. Well, those people work nights. I'm in Indian- Indianapolis, you know, 10 states away. So I'll send a quick helpful message to them, to him or her that just says, Hey, I-, I heard through your manager that you did a really great job at XYZ. I'm really proud of you. Keep up the good work. It's people like you that make it great. The good news is is they'll get that when they wake up. They'll get to see me talking and it's not necessarily about me, but a manager talking. Uh, and that kind of makes people feel better than just getting a card in the mail or, or a quick email. That's relatively impersonal.
0: And so, um, my next question is going to go down the path of data. And how do you leverage data currently or employee feedback to, you know, help gain some data to be able to make decisions about the business? Is there are there any keys or ways that you're that you're doing that currently?
1: I may or may not have been accused of being survey happy, <laughs> so, because I abs- I absolutely love hearing how people are feeling and thinking. So we actually take legitimate and actionable steps when we do these these surveys. And one of the things that we kind of preach is it's kind of like you can't complain if you didn't vote. You know, please tell us what you're concerned with or what you're really happy with, so we can make it we can make it better. We can continue doing it. Uh, we did a survey back in December of 2017, and the number one thing we got back was work-life balance, which was kind of expected, but it, it's, you know, you kind of expect it, but you also don't want to kind of realize it. And one thing we did from that survey, um, and I think it went a long way with the group is we added two PTO days, we added volunteer time, and then we kind of created this semi-flexible kind of emergency work kind of work time that they could use um, when they needed and that was a direct reflection of that survey as a company're I mean we're data machines we we have you know customer or employee engagement metrics and we do uh, these little pulse surveys um, we do the bigger surveys but more importantly uh, we listen to our, our kind of our management team because they're the ones that are, are hearing and listening to what's going on in the field because sometimes you don't get real feed like if i would ask somebody how are you feeling and what's going on and you know do you like the way we're doing x they might not give me the real answer that they're feeling cuz they they could sometimes be nervous but but they will give that to maybe their immediate supervisor so we just again it's just it's all about listening
0: and now that you've gone down this path of your business grows through this, these mergers and acquisitions, are there certain data points that you've now grown accustomed to look for that you didn't know in the beginning? Especially when it comes to things to look for that are leading indicators of a good culture um, of a company that you're looking for before you decide to do the deal.
1: One of the things that I think are important when you're thinking about culture and you're trying to understand if if you have a good one, and I don't even, I don't I don't know if it's possible to measure whether you have it's very subjective whether you have a good culture or not you kind of have to listen to the to the mass but we put a lot of emphasis on exit interviews you know fortunately we don't we don't go through turnover too much i mean obviously we do everybody does but we put a lot of emphasis on the exit interview to make sure that we fully understand what drove someone to want to leave the business what factors were the were the reason we look at kind of we have a what we call a report card so we grade every job with a letter and a number And we can get a really good gauge uh, um, of how each individual employee is feeling based on the grade that they're getting on the quality of service. And I'll elaborate just a little bit. So what that means is when we go out and clean an exhaust system, we give a subjective letter grade just like in high school. So A, B, C, D, or F, depending on how good we feel that they perform that service. And then we get a number grade based on their compliance with kind of the five key things that they need to make sure they do no matter what. And obviously, the, the goal is an A and a 5 because that means you just did a really great job and you kicked butt. But when we start to see scores slip down into the C and the 3 range, something isn't right. And it's not always that they're not good at what they do because we train people very well. It could just be that something's off. And it could be at home. It could be with their manager. They could be rushed because they're getting scheduled too quickly. And it could it could be really far down the pike that maybe nobody notices and So we put a really high emphasis on grade point averages and scoring averages, um, which kind of help us identify employee engagement levels.
0: So I know we've talked about how your main focus in the business is all about employees being number one. And most people that we talk to that are leading businesses and HR departments are just overwhelmed with a long list of things to do to continue to make this business uh, thrive and retain employees and, you know, keep the employee experience high. How do you prioritize your focus when it comes to like your internal resources and where your leaders are going to spend their time when it comes to employee initiatives?
1: so we actually today conclude earlier today we concluded our director of operations conference here in Indianapolis for all of our directors across the across the country and the closing speech that i gave was that we need to stop focusing so much on financial metrics and focus more on how do we continue retaining and recruiting top talent we have a similar problem i think that most growing businesses have in this current environment in the country um where we have a very high demand and very low supply meaning we're outselling the amount of people that we have to actually perform services in a good way i mean we're able to kind of keep up but we have 68 open positions on our website right now and that's probably about half of what we really need so i challenged our directors to then challenge the people that work in their departments um to focus on kind of the old you know what not what can your country do for you but what you, can you do for your country about surrounding employee engagement so don't ask your branch managers um, how much revenue they did yesterday and what their daily run rate is over the over the last you know 60 days ask them you know were there any job complaints and were the job complaints as a result of somebody missing work or being late too many times or you know how many employees did you talk to yesterday because all the other things will fall into line if we can just continue that employee's first customer second engagement so I feel like I don't want to pretend like it's 100% of our senior manager's time is focused on engagement. Um, but I can tell you that every decision, every conversation, every meeting is focused around not only those core values, but how our financial numbers were affected by our employee engagement.
0: And it sounds like based on where the world is today and many, whatever reasons, right? The, the, there's a huge challenge out there to find that talent, right? There's a big gap and you've got 68 positions listed and many more available. So my question is around employee referrals, employees who bring in new employees. I'd love to hear what you've seen as far as trends of you know how how much more engaged do you feel like those people are how much longer do they stay do you see a difference there and how do you encourage your employees to bring more people if that's something that benefits your business
1: absolutely so there was a time in my in our business life cycle where 100% of our employees were re, were employee referrals and i really wish that that kind of pace continued because it was kind of a um, a self policing kind of Set the expectation for all, for all new hires, but also current employees because everybody was a friend, friend of a friend of a friend. So it is absolutely critical to the success of our business. We estimate that it costs us between six and $10,000 to hire a person that leaves within the first hundred days. So for us, uh, it's important that we make the right hiring decisions at the right time for the right person and we have an, om- not a 100%, but I would say eight out of 10 employee referrals stay longer than 100 days uh, and typically, you know, two to three or four years or so. Um, so what we do is we actually pay, we used to pay a $500 referral fee after uh, 90 days of the referral employees employment, but we actually changed that. We actually pay $250 every 30 days up to the hundredth day. So up to so it's 30, 60, 90, and then another 250 at 100, so it's a thousand dollars for the, to the employee that referred the new person, and then we actually pay the new person 250 bucks dollars as well at their hundredth day as a kind of a reward for making it to that point, but also um, you know kind of taking a chance on you know and taking the referral from the from their their friends, uh, which I think is important.
0: That's it's incredible. And that's what we continue to hear It's just the statistics are always so much higher when our employees, especially our engaged employees, they, they want to find people that match the culture and that they enjoy working with. It's just that how do we continue to keep that top of mind and see more and more people coming from our great employees because they're our best asset. And you just proved you just... Uh, from a financial standpoint, is so much more opportunistic for the business as well. So outside of hiring and attracting talent, which I know you've said is like a big initiative and, and what you focused your meeting on today, just really focusing on that mindset of how you you know continue to, to develop that. What would you say is the, the other top priority when it comes to driving a higher employee experience or enhancing employee engagement? What's one challenge you're looking to solve outside of the talent drought, if you will?
1: I think um, for us, and I'll kind of answer the question in a little bit different of a way than maybe you asked, and then I'll kind of come back. But for us, it's really, really important that we focus on culture, talent, skill in that order, because uh, it's not that there's a lack of talented people out there. I think that there's a lack of skilled people, and because we obviously, I said before, we have to train our people internally. So as long as we can find a culture fit that is talented, we can teach the skill. Whereas most companies and where we were before, we would look for skilled people to fill roles, not paying any attention to the culture uh, fit or maybe the talent fit. So kind of to repeat that, it's culture, then talent, then skill third. So for us, as we continue to grow um, and we focus on programs to not only teach that, that skill, but replicate the culture fit that they are to the team, uh, it's just, again, it's really, really important that our senior managers stay engaged. Uh, there has to be constant communication. One of the books that I read really early on that I really liked is The New Gold Standard, which is the Ritz-Carlton Onboarding Orientation Story. And it just all that book talks about is just constant communication and check-ins by HR and setting up a mentor program and training and engagement with kind of the company's benefits that, that some people don't take advantage of so I think it's just it's top down um, it's everybody from the training manager on the on the truck itself uh, to the supervisor to the area managers to the directors all the way up to the c-suite
0: so you were talking about hiring um, with culture in my number one talent number two skill number three are there any key things you can tell us are indicators that you're looking for uh, specifically when it comes to culture fit or talent fit
1: so for me it's there's two types of well, there's two types of leaders, but there's also two types of people. I guess you can you can say that. But we really look for kind of passionate people uh, who believe in something. You know, they're, to have passion and compassion for uh, what they do and, and for others is kind of one of our hallmarks. I and mean, we really truly do care about each other, and we want to make sure that everybody kind of makes it home. And because we work in teams, it's it's really really important that we treat each other right, and, and it's purposeful. So for me, it's passion and compassion. And then from a talent perspective, I mean, there everybody has a talent, and that's kind of the you know that's kind of the kind of cliche is some everybody is talented at something. It just all depends on what that is. So as long as you are you know confident and understand that you are good at something, we could take that confidence and we can mold that into being good at what we do. As, as long as you give us a chance. Uh, so you have to have an open mind as well from a culture perspective and a talent perspective.
0: All right, Michael. So first question, uh, what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working?
1: Spending time with my wife and kid.
0: What do you think is the greatest and most important attribute of a leader?
1: Passion. Passion for the people that work for you and passion for the business that you're in.
0: And you mentioned a couple of different books. If you could pick one to recommend to our listeners today, which one?
1: The New Gold Standard.
0: And Michael, for those people that love to reach out to you and probably learn a lot more about your story, about you know the mergers and acquisitions you've gone through, or just uh, to you know further connect, how can they find you?
1: I would say the best way to get a hold of me is through LinkedIn, uh, which it's Michael-Crafton, or my email is Mike at Nelba.com, N-E-L-B-U-D.com.
0: Michael, that was an awesome show filled with so much great information. And I am going to try and summarize some key takeaways now for our listeners into this section called Truth You Can Act On. So listeners, my goal for you is that you take at least one of these things back and start a conversation with a colleague or a peer to put some things into action to drive engagement in that culture that you're striving for in your organization. So number one, happy employees create happy customers. And it's crucial to maintain emotional ownership from employees regarding what your company is trying to accomplish, helping your employees see that they are number one and providing the freedom for a staff to make decisions empowers them to feel happiness and then feel engagement and fuel sustainable growth and success for them in the organization. Uh, Number two, rely on employee referrals for hiring. So employees are our best advocate to bringing in new potential hires or or the people that are going to stick with us that properly fit the culture of our business. It's incredibly expensive to hire, to lose new hires quickly. And we can save time and money by relying on our strongest brand advocates, which are our engaged employees to help us in this process. So figure out some kind of an incentive that's strategic to help get them engaged in the referral uh, process of bringing in new staff. Uh, Number three, dynamic company culture must adapt. So the needs and wants of staff are ever changing like every day. So develop an array of creative benefits, providing constant opportunities for enhancing communication, fostering mentorship and coaching and developing for professional skills. So above all, actively listen to employees, asking them for feedback and then staying connected and communicating back to them what you heard and what you're doing to move forward on their suggestions and their, their challenges. And number four, set your priorities. So Don't do yourself a disservice by searching for new employees purely based on hard skills. Rethink this idea and assess culture first and uh, talent second and skills third. Focus on individuals who bring energy, charisma, passion, and buy into the goals of the company. That passion will be what um, you can learn and then craft. So with all that, I hope you can take these back and implement new changes and drive the ball forward on engagement in your organization. And we'll see you next